Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLean. Welcome to the Gen Z Show. I'm your host, James McLam, and I'm joined today by my daughter, Sarah Beth. How is things going for you today, Sarah Beth? They're going really well. I'm enjoying watching my apartment complex blow the window <laughs> with stuff. So, you know, it's a beautiful day in North Carolina today. <laughs> well, it's the fall time. And so any of us, when we do recordings, are having to think about the fact that somebody may be using a weed eater or a leaf blower near us. It's just a part of what is going on. So I think everybody understands that. Well, Sarah, today you and I were able to interview Stacia Riviera. And here is Stacia's contact information if you're looking at us. Uh, she is a mindset coach that works with young athletes, college athletes, high school athletes, coaches. But one of the things that makes Stacia so unique is she has done an extensive amount of study and research on the neuroscience behind why we think the way we do and how it affects young athletes' mindsets. And I was just blown away from the conversation. Uh, it, it was just an amazing conversation. What is one of the takeaways that you gained from that conversation? Well, so as a former athlete, I gained insight a lot into how I think and process things and why um, I do what I do when I'm in stressful situations. Um, and so what was really cool, in my opinion, was how it just translates to every other aspect of my life. She talks about Amen. how we have relationships with people, how we interact with situations around us, how we handle stress, um, how our personalities change based on our situations. It was amazing. It was it was simply phenomenal, the conversation. And it was one of our more in-depth ones. And if you're looking at the time of the podcast, you're saying this is one of your longer podcasts. The reason we and we cut it, I felt like I cut it short. Oh, yeah. I felt like I, that we could have gone another hour just just as she said, geeking out about this. Uh this is simply amazing, and for me, I'm going to be reaching back out to her to learn more about how I can better understand this to help the youth that I work with, and I encourage you as well. You're going to love this conversation. You're going to want to save it. You're going to want to share it with others. So, Sarah, let's just stop talking and get to our interview with Miss Stacia Riviera. Stacia, welcome to the Gen Z Show. I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to meet with us, to talk with us about a mindset and really the science behind this, but welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this topic with you all. Hey, and we need to do a shout out to our mutual friend, Jeff, as well, because um, he connected us. So I, I'm actually going to uh, send him a text after this is over with and, and thank him for that so that uh, he can do this uh, as well. But Stacia, you and I have, have talked, but our audience may not know who you are. Uh, just introduce yourself to the Gen Z audience in our community and let them know a little bit about you. All right. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Stacia Rivera. I live in Arizona and I work with the neuroscience and I am working with athletes, but I also teach this to pilots. And we're basically focusing on how to optimize performance, how to help people with these high stress situations that we're in and be able to navigate it in a way that's backed by science, but also a lot of what we were just talking about, the motivation, you know, how do we, how do we make things happen? So that's the area I live in and I'm really excited to talk more with you about it. Well, I love the fact that what you just said, that you're tying the science behind positive motivation, positive mindset and explaining that. I mean, I believe that Mr. Ziegler and the people who are in his field and have followed him in his steps have always understood that there are basic principles that can help us succeed more in life with self-image, relationships, goals, attitude, the entire uh, steps that he established years ago. But now it seems like in the last, and you may 
give me a better number than this, but in the last couple of decades, it seems like science is really diving in that we're really understanding what's going on in our brains uh, more than we did before. Uh, am, am I right on that? Is that? I think that's a good time range. And I think part of it was just the advancements of the MRI scan so that we could take closer looks at what areas of the brain were lighting up when. And that's just helped us really understand kind of that internal mapping that we were kind of guessing at for a long time. Ooh, good, good point. Guessing that for a long period of time. And now we can actually see. So why is it even important for us to understand that there's science behind all this stuff? Let's just kind of lay the foundation to our audience because someone may be thinking, hey, I believe in it, but why are you wasting my time talking about this Nero stuff? Right. I think it's a great point. I think, um, you know, prior to this, I was a trauma therapist and I worked with people that were really high complex trauma and addiction issues. And um, part of what happened in my counseling career was I realized I needed more information. I needed more proof about why we were doing what we were doing to help people kind of be, I think, motivated, convinced to feel safer about changing. Mm -hmm. And so what I've noticed is for a lot of people, when they have the evidence of why we are the way we are, it starts to just kind of knock down the dominoes of whether we're going to believe in something enough to change. And so I was one of those people, I needed the proof. And I've encountered a lot of other people that need that proof to really believe in the reasons why they're going to change. And to have the proof that they could actually get the results that they want, you know, because it's right there. It's like, here, we have these dots connected. And so that's kind of where we really took a deeper dive. And I kept on going on the neuroscience train. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, how you connect the science to the people that you train. You know, what is the what is that process? Because um, some of the, the, the our listeners may have young athletes that they want to help get in this mindset, or, or you know, I'll, I'll put it this way: I was thinking about this when I was when I was thinking about our conversation. That when I was coming along as an athlete, here was the extent of my coach's motivation: get your mind right, boy get in the game. And that was it. Yeah. Uh, but now we know it's a lot more complex. So share with us a little bit about how you work and, and how, how you were able to, to bridge that gap between where we were and where, where you need us to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I was coached very similarly. And I also ran into those edges when I had days I couldn't get my mind right, you know? And so um, where I started bridging this was I was a former athlete, but like I said, I also helped people um, recover from some really significant life-changing events. And where we really simplify the sciences in three areas, and these are three areas that I went on and spent about the last decade learning. The first one is helping people understand their actual survival system, their nervous system, and how if that's offline, they really can't think their way through a problem. And we also know that the front part of the brain, our frontal cortex, you don't need to know that, but is it doesn't develop fully until we're about 27. And most of the athletes we're talking about are far younger than that. So we're trying to give them this logical way to problem solve when they don't even have the basic information of how to settle their stress or how to settle the survival system that's going off, that's telling them maybe they're not good enough or they're feeling really anxious or they're feeling like they're shutting down. So we start there. And that's a really big part of our program. And then we look at the connection science. So there's actually science in how we're wired for relationships and safety and connection. And what we know is teams that have more trust and safety win more, um, you know, and, and we have some great examples of that happening at the Olympic level here in the U.S. Um, one example being our U.S. volleyball team. They um, have adopted all of these principles into their, their program where they have a athlete council that makes decisions and mm -hmm. they understand their nervous systems and what's happening and how to regulate. And um, they just want to us, you know, they won the gold this year at the Olympics. And so those things are really exciting for me to see that it, it you know, other people are out there doing this work and getting to the real answers. And the last part that we really focus on is um, a lot of us, when we're under stress, we change our personality. We change how we relate to other people and we rely on certain things like control and perfectionism and people pleasing. And what we know is those systems go off faster when we're stressed. 
And we also know that Gen Zs are more stressed than any generation we've ever met or created. And so that's kind of where my heart is, is helping them understand what I call living languages, that their body talks differently than they maybe even realize when it comes to stress and overwhelm. We start breaking that down and giving them tools so that they can really perform. Yeah, when you mentioned at the beginning with about the prefrontal cortex developing late 25 to 27, I, I was talking with a friend who is in this area as well. And he, this was a couple of years ago, and he was describing to me that the limbic system, the, the system that develops first is the system that seeks uh, excitement and seeks, uh, you know, risk taking. And that the prefrontal cortex is the one that has the reason being part of it. And he described an adolescent's mind as being like a high speed race car that has extremely sensitive gas pedal, that if you touch it, it'll go zero to 102 seconds. It has brakes that work, but they are slow. And the gas pedal is what is developing first in their mind, and the the brakes is what's developing second. They know they need to use the brakes. It's not that they're not, that they don't know that this is a risky undertaking or bad undertaking, but when they hit it, it just doesn't work as quickly. Do you, it based on what you did, is, is he on track with that? He is so on track. And, and it is something that the break is really associated with that executive function thinking, that mm. big problem solving part of our brain that's not quite there yet. And so the other thing that we talk a lot about is um, when we're talking to parents or coaches or people that work with youth is when you ask a youth a question, Um, a Gen Z in this case, I mean, it can take up to eight seconds for that question to even go in process and and get to executive function and come back. Now, if I'm in a high stakes situation and this athlete's stressed and they're all of a sudden taking eight seconds to answer me, we're probably going to have a lot of things that we're going to make up about that athlete, you know, like they don't care, they're shut down, they're, they're not bought in, like whatever it is. And they might just actually be thinking, you know, and trying to actually get that break to happen, but it takes a while to go down and then to be able to go back up. And so the more flexibility that they have in their nervous system and, and as it communicates to the limbic system, then we know that they can, they can actually do that faster with less stress, with less tax on the system. And, and, and that just creates better for performance outcomes. Hmm. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> it is, right? Yeah. I was thinking of that, you know, there's a, there's an athlete that my daughter and I, Sarah Beth and I both know extremely talented, has a lot of skill, but I feel like that his survival system that doesn't that he doesn't perform well under stress, mm-hmm. and as a result, it's affected his ability to, you know, reach that level that he should be able to to do initially in in, in sports. But as as working with this particular athlete, the longer that he is part of a team, the less his stress level is, and then at the you know more or less at the end of the seasons. He's always one of the stars. It's just at the beginning, can't even get on the team. Right. Um, because it's not only what I, when I hear that, I hear survival system, and then I also hear connection system. Mm. And so him understanding how he's wired and what his, we call it an AQ type, but what his AQ type is, what understanding his athlete intelligence more so that he can assimilate faster and everyone can also assimilate around him. Because one of the things we assume is like everyone thinks the same. Everyone is gets comforted the same way. Everybody relates to stress the same way. And it couldn't be further from that. We're all so uniquely wired that when we can start to understand ourselves, we can also have more empathy and connection for other people too, that they're, they're not like us. So how do we have those tough conversations with each other so we can battle together and win more? And it's not just about winning in in sport. It's also in life. Like, you know, he probably, I make up, has a hard time when he goes into other environments in a classroom too, you know? So I can't, I don't know him and I don't want to speak on his behalf, but that is something that we would often see is connections in those places. Mm. So the more they can understand that about them, then they'd get to just go be themselves. And that's really what this is about. And some people have more complex wiring. 
And so thinking positive or, or having the right mindset isn't even really on the menu yet because there's so much in survival. I kind of want to, I want to backtrack a little bit. So you talked about, and like you just spoke about this too, is we are the way that we are. Like we're wired in a totally unique way. Um, and so I was a former athlete. Um, and so I understand the stress and the pressure and just even just being a person in today's world, like there's so much stress and pressure out there. And you talked about basically changing our mindset so that we can be successful and learn how to manage those things. Um, and I feel like growing up in sports, our coaches used to tell us that like, you got to get it under control. Like, like my dad just said, you like, get your mind right and go play. Um, do you have any practical tips for like how to actually do that when you're under stressful situations? Because I feel like a lot of times for me, especially, I don't even think about how I handle things until I'm in that situation. And I'm like, it's too late. I don't know what to do. Yeah, it's such a good point. And we kind of call that smelling the smoke, you know, of the fire you're going to walk into. And there's definitely some ways to be more prepared. Um, when the survival system is activated, we can't think our way through it. It's We call that top down, you know, so we can't take the thing in our head and then solve the problem in our body, like the knot in our stomach or the feeling of anxiety or the feeling of wanting to run away and quit. You know, those are survival things that are happening. And um, we can't necessarily always access our, our intelligence and our thinking. So we work what we call bottom up and we start looking at breath pattern. We start looking at, you know, maybe some visualization. We start looking at mantras or ways of kind of having that we've already kind of created the state of regulation or readiness that we've practiced that outside of the competition arena and we bring it in because the part of our brain that we're working with doesn't know the difference if it's real or not. Mm -hmm. So we, we kind of practice it so that it has that highway to go on once it's time to compete. Does that make sense? Does that answer a little bit? And I can go into a little more detail if we want, but that's one of the ways we were different. Uh, you yeah. know, I definitely want to hear more detail. <laughs> I'm taking notes here, please. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, so specifically, we want to start to understand the way that the nervous system communicates and the nervous system, the survival system communicates with emotions and sensations, sensations, things like I feel tightness in my chest. You know, I feel excitement in my chest. I'm ready. You know, so the that's the way that that survival system that's part of the limbic system that you mentioned earlier, that's how it communicates. And if we don't understand the language of that or how to actually talk back to it and work with it. That's what ends up sabotaging performance. Hmm. Wow. That made me think um, when I was in swimming and stuff, actually, dad, you shared this quote with me of how your body will quit when you're like full capacity. You're only at like 20%. You still have 80% left to give because your body's like, we're in survival mode. So is this, are these tactics that can help you access that 80%? Because I feel like a lot of times people are like, yeah, like I'm not actually done, but your body just kind of shuts down and you don't perform as well. Yep, exactly. <laughs> It's it is that and I and I just so relate to what you're saying, Sarah Beth, because I was a college athlete, too. And I just know that if I had had the tools to like regulate those bigger games and matches where the pressure was there, you know, that and I knew how to talk to that part of me instead of kind of shutting down and ignoring it, you know, I would have just stayed online and stayed in the flow state. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's what we describe in athletics, we, the flow state. People act like it's like this magical land that somehow spontaneously arrives. And in what, when in fact, if we went and studied flow states, we would see there was more regulation on board. The person was able to work with the stress response. The person was in emotional, you know, hygiene and intelligence and able to interpret their emotions correctly, you know, and all this stuff was happening and then flow got to happen. So what, what we really believe here at AQ Athletics is we can replicate those states. We can prime and, and practice what needs to happen. And there's examples of how we even coach teams in this, this way. You know, we took a team that was 50-50 in their win-loss column. They increased by 25% wins the next season. Now they're ranked in the top 10, actually top five in the country. And it's all based on the communication and the way that they gave each other some space in this area. 
In fact, like when this coach calls timeouts, he sometimes won't even address the team. They just go work on putting their own oxygen mask on is what we say. And like really kind of feel your feet on the floor and how are your thoughts and how are you, how is your survival system doing? And so they go do their work around the water cooler and then he comes back and gives them one task. But what we tend to do with when athletes are stressed is what? Overcoach, morphine, mm. tell them more. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know, and then they're like, ah, you know, they're either like shutting down or feeling really anxious or, or agitated, you know, and mm-hmm. that's part of our, our survival wiring. We kind of had one of two highways. Mm-hmm. And, and so even down to the point of how do you coach that athlete that's frustrated versus how the athlete that's anxious, we really overcoach the, the anxious athlete. Mm-hmm. Do you think gen- as, as generations have progressed that this is becoming more prevalent, them feeling more stressed? Because I, I, when we were talking about this, I was thinking about my own experiences in high school as an athlete. Our coaches never worried about this kind of stuff. It was technique, technique, you know, there were motivators, but they were not really funk, you know, worried about, hey, is James, you know, handling the situation well? It was more of a team motivation than it was an individual. Right. Why do you think this has become a more prevalent issue now? Or was it always a prevalent issue and we just never really saw it? It's such a good question. And I, I think about this stuff and I think about winning programs, you know, like I, I'm a real big fan of John Wooden and, mm-hmm. you know, John Wooden created success, but what I look at his model and why the success was there is he focused on relationship. There was so much safety in him, in his gym. Like even if he pushed those athletes, they knew he cared about them. He knew they knew he had his back. And that's something that's slightly different about Gen Z's is Gen Z's have had access to information their entire life. And and if, if they don't like how you coach, they can go find a better coach on YouTube. Mm. you know and so it's all about relationship with them and we aren't as good at relationship I think in some ways because we're also stressed and it's things like we're just constantly bombarded all the time with information with phones like I you know I talked about this with Jeff on his podcast that it's also about like this is a generation that's constantly being surveillanced Mm -hmm. they're constantly being watched you know you didn't have stress but your parents couldn't look up your grade every single day and 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 ask you to be on your homework every single moment you didn't have a phone that tracked whether you were at the gym or the library or out at a party you didn't have all of these things that this generation deals with so they're constantly turned on and they don't even i feel so bad for them because they'll tell you even when they take a break they just sit there and feel bad that they're taking a break is that true sarah yes (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. As soon as you said, it, I was like, "Yes, that is true." <laughs> yeah. I know. So I'm, I'm in my like in my college class and I'm working with athletes. I'm like, learn how to take a proper break. Like, if you're gonna Netflix and chill, do it up. Like, pop the popcorn <laughs> and enjoy it, and pick the movie you like. Don't use it as like a checkout tool that you're trying to just like regain footing to push yourself again. So there are different dynamics and technology allows us to stay on all the time in, in the fact that we just have so many choices and areas where we're constantly inundated and that that's survival stress. That's what I don't, that's where I want people to start to distinguish the difference between, Oh, Gen Z's are so sensitive and they're, 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 they don't know how to just pull up their bootstraps. I'm like, yes, they do. But they also contend with a whole other world that we did not. Mm. and and it's just the truth and I'm like that's why I call myself a Gen Z advocate because I just want people to understand and empathize not coddle and caretake I mean we can still be firm and direct and loving you know but also have the right information of who you're looking at and who you're trying to talk to have you seen the uh, have you seen the Apple series Ted Lasso yes we watched it as a family. <laughs> yeah, my wife and I have, are, are just advocates. I have a Ted that. Lasso quote right there <laughs> behind my back screen right there. Oh, right there in the middle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, when you when you were talking about wooden and stuff, and I was thinking, okay, the pyramid of success. The very first thing that came to mind was that show because it's you know prominently displayed in that show. I don't mean to go on a tangent with this, but I feel like that is probably one of the best examples of the new way of coaching and using these concepts and things that I've seen on television. Um, yep. And it I also agree. does a good job, I think, of also examining the problems because uh, they encounter stress. I mean, they encounter anxiety. I mean, he has a panic attack as yeah. a coach. Uh, yeah. And they have player conflict. Yes. You know, and, and they have hierarchy things and, you know, within their team, who's going to who's going to be the emerging leader, you know, all kinds of themes that have always been there for as you know, as long as we've played athletics. Um, and it is it's just that what's different. And I didn't mention, but I, how I started working in athletics is my old mentor. The reason I went on to play at the division one level called me and said, I don't know how to connect with them. I don't know. I don't know how to use my coaching style. Like I'm just, I'm getting irrelevant. I'm old school. What oh, I'm doing wow. is not working. And, and he's, and he was frustrated. I just feel like I can't push them. I feel like they're not tough. I feel like this, this, and this. I was like, I think the opposite, you know, and let me tell you why, you know, I've watched them be so mentally tough, but the key is they have to know you have their back. And I think that was true. 50 years ago with wooden too, you know, but it was just different. It, the, the out, the container was different than it is now. And mm -hmm. it's just become even more important that those principles of care are there. Mm -hmm. You're like speaking my language over here. I'm like, she's saying everything that I've been thinking the past, like however long. Um, so I have a question for you. It might be a little bit of a curveball Cause I know that you work mainly with like athletes and at the college level teaching, um, how do you think this is relevant in terms of like relationships with other people, like not even athletics, just in life? Um, it could be like as teachers, as parents, as just friend to friend. Um, how do you think all this plays a role in that? It, it's 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 the secret sauce, you know, I mean, it, when I learned it, it changed the dynamic of my own family. I saw it change my relationships at work. It, I, you know, I just as I became more aware of myself and why I was doing what I was doing. I just watched my whole world change. And then I watched it change in the treatment rooms I was working in. I used to run treatment rooms with a hundred people in one room and we would teach them this stuff, you know? And, and so it, I believe it applies to everyone. And, and I randomly ended up in athletics again. You know, I, 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 I competed, I coached for 20 plus years. I thought the athletic store was literally super glued shut. I never thought I was coming back. Um, I had, you know, I was a college professor at that point. I was a therapist. I, I, I loved it. And then all of a sudden I ended up back in the athletic arena and I just am so happy to be back. And every athlete I talk to, it just says like, where was this when I played? Like mm -hmm. I would have been such a game changer. And I, I you know, in, in doing that research and talking with my former teammates and people that had competed at the college level or high level like you, um, every single one of them just said, you know, it just really wasn't as fun as I wish it would have been. And I, I just, I feel like if we can just support people to really understand these aspects, that the joy and the fun and the reason we do it could come back too. And, and I see that happening in these teams that I work with. But think, I think it applies to everybody. And I just, honestly, I feel like I can't move fast enough. Like I can't get it into enough hands. <laughs> do you think the competitiveness or stress that we've placed on our young athletes and, and, on youth, even millennials, Gen Z has added to this, you know, with, with travel teams, with competitiveness, um, you know, that's, yeah. Uh, I, sorry, cut out just a little bit. Yeah. I was just, just, I was, I didn't even have plan to have that question, but I kept thinking about that fact and saying, I, I feel like we're just causing our youth to have these problems. Right. Cause it's part of that stuck on, you know, and so what we need to do is really help them learn how to recover and how to prioritize what they're committed to. But if my gas pedal is on and I'm trying to be a 4.0 student, I'm trying to get the college scholarship, I'm trying to do every extra thing that I can to gain an advantage, 
then we really, our nervous system is made to go up in stress. It doesn't naturally recover and come down. We have to do that. And that's what I want to arm people with is that ability to recover and mm. to bring down the stress level, bring down that perceived or real threat of, I just had three games and three finals and da, 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 da. that's a real threat, you know, to your nervous system, to your survival system. So helping them understand how to navigate that when they're in it and then how to recover once it's kind of slowed down and it's over. And that's what we're not seeing. And that's why we're seeing it end up affecting Gen Z's emotionally, mental health-wise, or in physical health. We're seeing something break down because of these levels of stress. And they're just not properly armed. They need more from us. What do you mean when you said earlier, you know, under stress, it changes their personality? When you said that, I immediately thought, there's going to be somebody that's hearing this that they're going... What do you mean? My childhood, the youth that I work with. Uh, tell me, tell me what's going on. I want to know. I want to know. Yeah. Well, it really comes down to our conscious and our subconscious. So our subconscious runs about 90% of the show. Mm. And by the time we're in our early 30s, it's about 95%. And so all of that wiring takes place really early in life. And when we start to feel stress, we start to rely on those things that helped us kind of protect ourselves and feel better. So when somebody's stressed, they might really get perfectionistic. It's like, if I just get, if I do even better, and if I just get even more perfect, then I won't fail. And I won't, and, and so they just push to the point of, and again, it's a slippery slope, right? Because that trait is why they're successful, but too much of that trait is why they're gonna fail or why they're gonna experience you know, the failure that they don't want. And so that's the part of helping people see that. And so we tend to kind of do different things when we're stressed. Some people become more controlling. You know, we might see a certain teammate start really going after people and telling them what to do and why aren't you doing this, this, and this. And it's more like that individual is stressed and he's feeling the lot, he or she's feeling the loss of control. So he's going to try to control everybody else, you know. And if you can just know that, and you can also notice like, oh, I'm doing that. I must be stressed. I must need to go kind of regulate myself a little bit, pull back a little bit, take a second, go get a drink of water and, and then come back and really perform. Wow. You, you're dropping some truth bombs on us today. Yeah. The science does bring the truth a little bit on this topic. It does. And I, and I, I mean, I, I, you're not the first person to say that, you know, I teach it at the college level and their faces on certain lecture days are like, Whew. you know, but I just, my thing is I am a heart speaker and, and it's like, I, I think the more we can know about why we do what we do, it gets a lot easier to be the version of ourselves that we want to be. And, and that's where my heart is. Do you have any, like, just, I know that you like teach all this stuff. Do you have any like step-by-step, -step, Hey, this is how you can start to figure out how you are. Cause I don't even for me personally, I don't even know how I am. Like, I don't know what I do, what I don't do. I don't know how I respond to stress. I don't know how to handle it because I don't know how to respond because I've never thought about it before. Do you have any like steps that could help me help our audience figure that out? That's such a good question. So we, in our program, which is called AQU, we have um, a personality type test and what we call a prozone test, which is like, how do you respond to stress and relationships and connections? And then what is your personality type as an athlete? And we're, you're one of four types. So just off of the cuff, I think that one of the things that you can start to pay attention to is just becoming aware that when there is more stress, do I respond by kind of becoming more anxious and kind of focusing on other people and what they need and pressuring myself? Or do I kind of avoid it, act like I'm fine, act like it's all good, and I'm just going to push through this and, and start to actually get a little more honest with yourself about what are you actually, what's actually happening for you? What do you actually need? Um, what do you, what conversation do you need to have with yourself or somebody else? And that's where, you know, the, the work of positive shift thinking and, and, and looking at our mindset can be such a great secondary step to that. 
I feel like sometimes we're missing the step of self-honesty and awareness. And so that is more, remember, a sensation or a feeling and not a thought. The thought would come secondarily. Mm. So it, what I invite athletes into is just paying attention, athletes and students, pay attention a little bit more. And if you know and you start to pay attention to that, one of the ways that you can start to reshape your nervous system, the quickest way, is to work on connecting to your environment through the five senses. And and so that means like, you know, when you're actually taking a shower, just take a shower. But we tend to be like a million miles in the future or a million miles in the past, you know, so just be in the moment when you're driving. Can you just be in the moment connecting to the beauty around you, to the song that you love, to the feeling of your hands on the steering wheel? You know, when we can give our brain that data, the survival system gets to recover a little bit. The nervous system gets to realize there's no threat out here like I thought there was. And some of us are rolling around not even knowing that the world feels pretty darn threatening all the time because we haven't connected to the data yet. We haven't connected to what our, our body's trying to tell us. Does that make sense? Yeah. It actually, you just click the pieces together. So I try to go to the gym a lot because I used to be an athlete. I'm not anymore. So I try to go to the gym a lot. And on Thursdays I started going to yoga and we start off by just laying on the ground for five minutes. And she just makes us breathe and focus on our breathing. And she tells us you're going to be here for the next hour. So there's nothing else you can do. So just focus on being here. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't figure out why I loved it so much because I'm not flexible. Like there's no reason why I should love it, but (laughs) you just explained to me why I do. Yeah. And it is, it's just like your body, got a break for a second and the mind and the body got to kind of go into their own lanes for for just that moment and it does it feels so inviting and familiar for a lot of people you know and um and there's ways to learn how to have it feel more inviting because for some people it, at first it can be almost overwhelming to slow down like that you know so even just figuring out like what sense do i enjoy connecting to you know i have certain athletes and and clients that would put like little dot of perfume or cologne right here and when they felt that stress come up they just kind of itch their nose or kind of you know do something like this and then it's just that that thing that takes you from like a 10 to a 9 and then a 9 to an 8 you know and that inside pressure that a lot of people report feeling or whatever way you relate to it. I have a friend that over 30 years ago when he was getting stressed, he kept a blue card, just a solid blue card, like a business card side in his pocket. And whenever mm-hmm. he would go in for, that he was interviewing for different uh, opportunities and stuff. And before he would go into that, he would just take the card out, put it in his hand and just stare at it. Where's my hand? Stare at it. And, and, because he had read somewhere that blue was the most calming color and, yeah. and, and, and this was in the, you know, late eighties, early nineties. So he was, you know, trying to find that stuff out. And now to see that there was a deeper science behind it than, there just, was. than probably just a survey that said, Hey, well, how did these colors make you feel? Which probably was what the research was then. Yep. Um, yeah. Because he gave his mind a moment to catch up with the, 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 the experience was happening internally. And then he was bringing in that feeling of calmness. He had done it enough times. And remember that part of our brain, that part of our brainstem, it doesn't know if it's real or not. It's just going to respond. That's why visualization works. You know, that's why breathing works. And the reason for breath is it's the quickest way to hit the biggest nerve that runs through our body. It's the way that we can do it as humans. There's other ways, but that's the fastest way. And that's why we're seeing these trends of mindfulness and breath work and and all of these things. Meditation. Mm -hmm. And they're wonderful, but people don't. But what I find is then when people know why it works, they're more likely to be bought in. Right. They're more likely to stay with the habit. I think that's an important thing, especially in the information age. We want to know why you're yeah. telling me to do this. Exactly. Yes. It's like today I went to the gym this morning uh, and we had a CrossFit class, one of those people, and uh, who always has to mention it. And 
So we were going through the process and we were doing this, this complex. And the very first thing that when they examined the complex that came to my mind is, is that why are we, tell me why I'm doing this complex versus just working on a power move or an Olympic move. You know, why are we doing this five point complex? So I went to the coach and says, you know, why is this the program today? Tell me what it's going to do for me mm -hmm. at 52, you know, that I need to, um, you know, stay engaged. Right. And that was the whole heart, like why I told you I was on the search of why, because mm -hmm. I was in an audience that would not believe me unless I knew why. Mm. <laughs> I mean, they needed that information. They weren't going to trust me if I didn't know what I was talking about. Mm. And so then being able to solve it in such a complex group and, and, and with so many other factors at play for those folks, it was just so, and now it's just become this method that you can bring into any arena. And, you know, like I said, I'm working with pilots and, you know, we're going to take it into classrooms and, you know, just wherever it can be. But, you know, the athletic arena is definitely a fun place because I think every athlete wants an advantage. You know, I definitely want my pilot to have the right yeah. mindset. Yeah, but so does every person once they find what they love. You know, everybody wants an advantage once they find their thing. And and that's that's a big part of this is like just being able, we call it winning in life and sport. And I, I care just as much about life wins. Don't don't tell the coaches, but you know, I I I'm I'm I'm, I'm I get excited when they tell me, you know, I was able to go home to a funeral and be the person I wanted to be for my friends, and I didn't have to do anything or act outside of my values. I just got to be who I was because of this, and I got to and just be fully present. I'm like that is awesome. That's a life win. Hmm. Sir, so do you think if you'd known any of this? Six years ago, it would have changed uh, the way you approached competing and, and competition. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would have changed what I approached, how I approached my workout this morning, honestly. <laughs> Just knowing any of this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because as an athlete, I feel like a lot of times if you don't know this information, you take, you're like, okay, this is what I have to do. I have to do it right every single time. I used to get so stressed out. Um, if I would one lose a race, but two, if I like felt like, oh, my form was off in this one spot, I'm going to go get yelled at by the coach. I would get super stressed out about that. I'd be looking next to me all the time, just focusing on everyone else and not understanding why am I so stressed out? Like, what do I do about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what happens a lot too, right? We have the performance stress because we've, we've mastered the reps, as you said earlier, that's how practice used to be, right? Yeah. And that's one of the things I talk to the college athletes about or athletes that are wanting to ascend to college is like, you're not going to get that much better physically. Like, let's be real, maybe 10% if you're lucky and it's in your off season, you know, so the, the edge is this. And then what you just described so artfully is the relationship aspect of my coach, my parent or this or that, or my teammates. That is actually what stresses us out, but we don't talk about it. We don't understand how that affects our performance. And it, it really is the game changer. If I can feel safe and trust, trusted and like, I'm going to have like, these people have my back and I have their back. Then the performance is what becomes the byproduct. Oh yeah. I just had a light bulb moment. Cause so when I was doing athletics, I was doing swimming. Um, I did it. Um, year round. And so I had morning practice, afternoon practice, Saturday practice for hours and hours on end. We had gym time, all that sort of thing. But my relationship with the coaches weren't great. And so my performance wasn't great. I ended up quitting swimming and just doing it for the high school my senior year. And I performed better than I ever did year round. And it wasn't because I was training more. It wasn't because my like workouts were better. I'm Now that you've said it, I'm pretty sure it's because I knew that the people on the team, my coach, they cared about me. Um, so that's light bulb moment from like six years ago. That's so cool. Yeah, it is. Cause I, and I can look back at, at my performance and I see that with a lot of athletes and even this team that I mentioned, that's now ranked in the NCAA, they, they didn't have that relationship with their coach and he didn't have it with them. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't matter how he's one of the best physical trainers in the country. I mean, he is the sole reason why I've gone on to play, you know, and why he set on hundreds of other athletes, but it was a specific style that you could either tolerate or not. And, and a lot of people couldn't, 
And, but now he, you know, and, and we're not perfect. That's the other thing I want to say is everyone's accountable in this method. You know, it's like, we're not going to get it perfect. And really we only have to get it right about 30 to 40% of the time for somebody to know we care about them. So this isn't about being perfect. This isn't about having all the answers. This is about actually learning how to be flexible. We talk about it all the time, but this is actually what teaches you how to do it. Do you have like one piece of advice for coaches, trainers, teachers out there? Like just if you had to condense it all into one piece of advice, how they can start showing that they care about who's under them? Boy, that's a big one there. That's yeah. <laughs> I hate to be a softball on that know, one. <laughs> my biggest thing is that um, the, the number one thing that I think is missing is, is being curious, is asking questions. Um, you really can't go wrong with somebody that is stressed or performing perfectly just by asking them a question. And it shows them we're interested in them. It shows them that we're not going to assume that they think like we do. And it's just amazing what you actually learn when you take the time to ask somebody a question instead of telling them what they think or feel. Wow. And so it's just like, instead of, man, that was a great performance. Do you feel great? It, it, the, the opposite. It's like, hey, I really want to hear how you felt in that performance. What felt right to you? Do you hear the difference? Mm. Yeah. And then they might say, I felt like that was a horrible performance. I don't think I did great at all. And I think I missed this moment and this moment and this moment and this moment. And then they're coaching themselves. And that's what we want. But we don't allow that opportunity to happen very often. Wow, there's just so much we could talk about. Uh, I mean, my mind is just because we're actually going in two areas. How do you coach athletes, but also how do you coach coaches, uh, which may be even the bigger area of help is coaching coaches to be the right type of person. Um, how can our audience, because they're listening to this, and I hope – I hope like crazy, those of you who are listening and watching to this, you're, you're coming up with the questions and, and thoughts that I have. How can they connect with you? Where can they connect and find out more information about this? Yeah. Right now, the easiest way is on social media. And if you DM me a question, I will answer you. Um, but so we're on Instagram at AQ Athletics Official. We're on Facebook at AQ Athletics. Um uh, the the website that you have here, www.aqathlete.com. If you give me your email um, and, and just flag that you have a question, you know, I can get back to you. Um, but those are the easiest ways. And then in the next, you know, by the end of the year, we're launching our program called AQU for athletes um, that they can learn all of this information. And um, it's pretty cool. We're really, we really have interviewed Gen Z's to create a platform that makes sense for them and their lifestyle. So we have a computer-based part of it and an app and you can do both and they talk to each other, which is cool. Um, we have a 30-day community where you get to just really get all your Q and A's out of the way. And, um, and that's me answering those things once a week, but there's also a community where you can fire off questions and we can get to you. Um, and, and little reminders. Cause like you said, there's a lot of information station. Yeah. I'm like, Holy cow, how am I going to remember all this? So part of it is we're doing text reminders and email reminders and, you know, little assignments throughout that 30 days. So we can really nail the habits and the leadership aspect of this. And we say leadership with brackets around lead because you got to lead yourself <laughs> first. So um, and then to address your coaching, like you said, we have a book coming out, um, just kind of finishing up the little details so that the coaches aren't left behind. And then right next after that, we're going to create the coaching program. But it really is everybody doing their job. You know, it's not just on the coaches and it's not just on the athletes. It's just really learning this this kind of information that we know is in these team environments we all can name it and feel it and but we just do now we can know what exactly what it is and what we can start to do about it stacia this this has been rich this uh this has been very very rich in so many different ways there's so many of the things that are going on in my head right now that it's hard for me to even concentrate um, my randomness of, of trying to get it on uh, keep from going on tangents on these podcasts is 
really been at work today you know how disciplined can i be to stay focused because every time we were you would answer a question it would lead me to a story it would lead me to an instance it would lead me to a situation i needed to apply this in my own life and how i interact with the youth that i work with my family and how i work with the the uh the adult workers that i help coach that go into this stuff thank you so much for this all those, uh, your contact information and everything for our audience is going to be in the show notes. So if you're watching this, just look down on your YouTube channel. You'll find it there. If you're listening to this, just go back to your app and you'll find it in the podcast notes. There'll be links there for you to find uh, your information. Thank you again for being our guest today. This has been great. And I thank you for doing the work you're doing to serve Gen Z's. I just, I think it's fantastic. And I think it's just really important that we're all showing up and having these discussions, uh, however we see it, you know, but it's just so important to talk about. So it's a pleasure meeting you guys. I wish we could nerd out more, but reach out. And, and when I start well, watching- we'll have to nerd out more just in a little while because we got generation generation alpha coming along that's going to have their own set of stuff yes uh, to exactly. do i have a gen z child and a gen alpha child and they are already on my radar you are right <laughs> we have a, what is your alpha child how old is that he is 10 and that's so right there on the cusp we have right 11 mm -hmm. and i know some people now are backing the a the the uh the age back for for alpha saying that okay alpha is really going to be the generation that has no memory of pre-COVID, that we're going to extend Z's all the way to that because yeah. COVID now becomes the defining generational experience for them. Where Z's, it's kind of, a lot of folks will say it's, you know, it's 9-11. They have no memory of pre-that. Mm. Alphas is, could be COVID. Yeah. And if so, we got to back their age back up a little bit to those six, seven, five-year-olds. You know, that yeah. may be the oldest alphas on this uh, you know, our, that kids, does, our youngest kids may be in that transitional time i think so and i'm kind of in a micro generation where they call me a zennial you know and and i and i do think we have these micro generations around events like but i had i had not thought about that and that makes so much sense to me though because i can see how my son can really relate to my daughter who's the the true gen z um mm -hmm. and um and then how that little bit younger, how they have really been impacted by COVID. Yeah, that's going to bring its own own set of issues that we'll have to deal with and, and things that uh, I don't even think we could have foreseen yet uh, what what those that generation is going to be. So mm -hmm. to our audience, thank you again for joining us this week. Remember, someone you know needs to hear what we've talked about today. So make sure you comment on this, share it, and like it in all the outlets that you have uh, seen this and join us again next week for another episode of the gen z show thank you for joining us on the gen z show and being a part of our community please subscribe to our channels on youtube and on your favorite podcast app follow us too on instagram and facebook to get weekly updates until our next show have a blessed day